Hello, friends. Welcome to the Best Speech Podcast. This is your long-lost friend and host, Mike Pacquione. I know. It's been a while for us. All right, here's the deal. So Thanksgiving this year, I ran, I did a five-mile turkey trot. My time was so improved. I was so proud of myself. I did 45 seconds per mile faster. So pace, 45, 45 seconds per mile faster than 2021. So proud of myself. Obviously, I had to be a tough guy and walked all the way home, which is about two miles. And somewhere during that walk, I took my last my last breath of 2022 that would not need to be accompanied by antibiotics. I know my voice is pretty nasal anyway. My wife tells me I always sound decongested, but it really was for all of December. And that just led to me, I mean, frankly, taking a break from certain things. Podcast, I did a little less work than usual. So we're back today. I'm excited to have Shantae Cofield with you. In two weeks from today, we're going to have John Collins, and then we're going to take a break uh, and we'll come back in March and actually get on a regular schedule. So starting in March, we'll be on a regular schedule. Uh, one other quick thing before I talk more about this episode. We do, as a reminder, we send <laughs> emails that people like my friends say are the very best. My client, John Southerd says, dude, I rarely say this, but I love your emails. So get on the list. You'll also hear about when you have chances to work with me. Sometimes I just flat out donate money to charities. I'll send out an email about that. Get on the list, bestspeech.co. Sound good? All right, so this episode, I've got Dr. Shantae Cofield, aka The Movement Maestro. She is a physical therapist turned entrepreneur. She helps movement professionals find their passion, turn it into profit. So in this episode, we talk a lot about what her career path could have been, because very likely, and most people with her educational background, just wind up lecturing for their whole life. Well, <laughs> that's not a great fit for Shantae. So we talk about presenting dry material, we present about the use of energy in communication, whether that's on stage, in the classroom, online. She trains other people to do that. She's very good at that, by the way, so check her out. Uh, and then we talk about her approach and how it differs if it's a keynote or a workshop. Then she asks me some questions. That doesn't usually happen. Lastly, we talk about being introverted versus extroverted and being on stage. Think you're going to love it. Check out my interview with Dr. Shantae Cofield. Hey, friends, welcome to the show. So good. Joking with Shantae about a number of things. Her name is mispronounced. What's the most common like mispronunciation? Shanty? I wish. It's always Chantel. I guess that's more common of a name, but I get it. And it's not even like a miss pronunciation, I will say to someone, I'll introduce myself, Shantae, and they like look at me and they're like, Chantel, like I said it wrong. And I'm like, wait, no, <laughs> I'm telling you how to say it. <laughs> Happens that much. I go, okay. Uh, Starbucks order, you just, you just jump to Shantae, Chantel. This is it. It's mm -hmm. like whatever, whatever comes out. Chantel, Shanty. <laughs> hey, you're such an interesting background. I don't always ask guests this because I don't, this show's about speaking, not about yeah. career development. But I think yours is pretty interesting and it fits into some of what you talk about. So tell us, tell us, Dr. Cofield, how do we get here? Sure thing. So first off, thank you for bringing me on, Mike. It's always like a, a big deal to me when people, you know, want to share me with their people. It's, that's legit. So thank you. Uh, but for my background, I'm a physical therapist by trade. I went to PT school largely because I wasn't sure that med school was going to be the right decision for me, just from a time perspective and 
like a quality of life perspective. So I wound up going to PT school and hated it. I hated pretty much all of it. And the reason I hated it, some people will be like, oh, that's whatever. But it was because it felt like it was too easy. And I think when you mm. come from a place of always having to work hard and like really championing working hard, not championing the struggle, but just championing working hard, when things come easily, sometimes you're like, oh, I made the wrong choice. So went to PT school at NYU and graduated and hated, hated being a PT largely because I was like, did I sign up for this? I don't know if I'm helping people or if they're just getting better because I'm like, don't do what you love for six to eight weeks. And then they go and run again. And they're like, laggards. And I'm like, oh, okay. So wasn't sure if I was actually helping people. And I was in New York City, right, Mike? So like it's super fast paced. The number of people you're seeing in a day, I've seen like 24 patients. And I really got, you know, jaded and disenchanted by the model very quickly. Uh, kind of fast forward, I dove into Instagram because I dove into CrossFit. I was training for the marathon, kept running past the CrossFit box. I had a lot of clients, a lot of patients that were doing CrossFit. And so I was like, maybe I should do the thing that they're doing, you know, get a, get a taste for it. But I did this after the marathon stuff to do both at the same time. Wanted to learn more about CrossFit, dove into Instagram and saw a few people at that time posting videos to help CrossFitters. And I was a physical therapist already. And I was like, I could do this. I could share my thoughts on here. I had no like plan of I'm going to make a brand or anything like that. It was literally like yeah. I could share information. That's it. And this was back when we only had 15 second videos and it was old Instagram. And I was like, all right, let me hop into that. Through that, I came across this guy, Perry Nicholson. He was teaching for this company called Rock Tape. If you've ever seen like the colorful tape that uh, people have to be naked so you can see it, uh, like uh, volleyball players, that's where you'll see it because they have a lot of skin showing. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Like, all the colorful tape, exactly. Runners will wear it as well, right? So I worked for that company. I ended up working for that company. Perry worked for them. I went to one of the courses to learn. And for the first time in my life, I asked. I have before then was just like, if you work really hard, Maybe you'll get an opportunity. And I had a student at the time and he told me about all these opportunities that he had. And I was like, how did you get them? And he was like, I asked. And I was like, oh, blown away. So at that course, I asked and I was like, Perry, I want to become an instructor for this. I was finally saw like something else that I could do with my skill set and my background of, of movement outside of physical therapy. Right. When you take when you go into physical therapy, you're like, this is what I'm going to do. And to see that there were options, I was like, dude, I want this. So I asked and I wound up becoming an instructor for them. I went all in, Mike. I was like, I will be your best instructor. And I was voted MVP the next year. I was like, whatever tours you have, whatever you need people to fill in, send me. And so I was teaching for them, right? It's a, it's a tool tape company, but I was teaching their continuing ed all around the country, soon became international with that. Uh, and at the same time, I was growing my social media presence by just putting out more content. Uh, and that has largely led me to where I am today. So I went through the whole model of treating from there, went into teaching. And now I live in the, the online business space, largely supported by, by content creation. That's really interesting. Like, yeah, it's 15 seconds and there are, right? and there are no captions. I never watched it. Was, one. They're watching totally totally different and the still shots i mean the the avatar that's on instagram like i find this stuff fascinating i love looking at the different platforms i love looking at at how people consume content not just create it it's super fun to create content but it's really interesting to watch how they consume it and 
how each of these different platforms lends itself to that and then figuring out what platform you, you want to be on and distributing your message accordingly. So let's talk about all this stuff because there's yeah. there's so much speaking. My brain is always, where's the speaking in this? Absolutely. So much. There's teaching, there's lecture, there's training, there's Instagram. And then I know you from, we met when I was watching you on stage, which is facets. Tell me about presenting. This is whether it's in training or lecturing or whatever, but tell me about presenting. Can I say dry material? I mean, I, I don't. Yeah. PT is totally. interesting in the sense of I'm glad to move, but totally. most people don't spring out of bed wondering how tendons work. So totally. Tell me a little so bit think, about how to, how, to, how to make that come alive. I think that that is the, exactly what you said is how you make it come alive. You go to an audience that wants to hear it. Like, I'm not trying to speak to you about tendons. You don't care. So I'm not trying to convince someone like, this is interesting because I'm like, but it's not. It's not interesting for you. So I speak to people. And this is like a, by one of my business like tenants is sell things that people want, speak to the people that want these things. So speaking to other physical therapists, that's the demographic for these continuing education things. It's other PTs, chiros, movement professionals in some capacity, people that are paying to be there, that want to be there. Yes, there's a, you know, they may get continuing education credits, but one of the coolest parts about working for a company like Rock Tape is that they created this environment, this culture that was very different than traditional setting. So they loved that I had tattoos. Like I was a PT and I waited to get the bottom half of my sleeve until I left the traditional model because I was nervous about how it would be, would yeah. be received. Meanwhile, I'm at Rock Tape teaching. They're like, get more, whatever you want. They loved it. They we know that your tattoo stops. Right <laughs> Can you make it longer? What about the face? You want to do it in the face? <laughs> they love it, right? They want they, to create that environment. So you know, in terms of presenting the material, because I, I also do feel that, number one, the audience you're speaking to makes it easier. But then, two, how you present and what you're talking about and this, the way that you tell the story makes a very big difference. So I think maybe twofold with that. One is drawing in personal experience. So one of the reasons I stopped teaching for them was because I stopped treating. And I was like, if I'm not treating, I'm no longer relevant. I can't pull from the experiences I have in clinic and the experiences I have with working with people to create anecdotes that people understand and they can relate to and they can internalize. So that was, you know, one of the a large part of the reason that, that I stopped. Uh, but uh, the second part of making dry material less dry is making people feel something. So whenever I go to speak, my first thing is, what do these people want or need? And then how do I make them feel that? And whether that's actually, what's really cool with movement is that I can actually like, make them feel it. And so it's interactive. Like we're standing up, we're doing things like you're using the tools and I could use those, those, you know, modalities to actually convey the message and to make the material less dry. Cause they're not just like learning by listening, they're learning by experiencing and by doings, which is a big, big, big difference. I try to do that with the, all the talks I give now as well, whether it's a webinar or it's a, you know, a keynote speech, I'm going to have people move and do something and, and actually not just be listening passively the whole time. Well, it makes such a difference as an audience member because my, my heart rate doesn't slow down to the point where I'm tuned out. Yeah. I, I'm not consciously trying to do, think of other things. It's not that you're scaring me if I need to move, but it's just it's to do something else, which is generally good. Yeah. I'm curious when you were, let me rewind to the continuing yeah. ad. You must have had some people who wanted the whole class to know how smart they were and... 
Look how much yeah. I studied. What, what was your strategy when someone's just raising their hand and that's, they're saying a lot, but really what they're saying is, look how much I know. Just let the person go? Or yeah. Sometimes, yeah, because I'm like, everyone else knows that you're nonsense. Like, I don't need to point it out. It's just that if it becomes, like, disruptive, I have always – so one of the things that's – let's, like, let's take a step back and kind of take a bigger approach to this. I look very different than other people, right? And I will use that to my advantage, right? When you're, like, kind of straddling gender norms and gender lines and, like – I look very young. Like, I'm 37, but people are like, I don't what? know how old you are. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's Exactly. <laughs> that. There's a lot going on in the class. People have a lot of questions. And so I can uh, act and behave in certain ways that other people can't necessarily get away with. And I can have a, I always have like a kind of joking approach to things, but that allows me to have interactions Let's say I have someone that's like talking a lot. I could say something that somebody else probably couldn't say that like a white woman with really angular features couldn't say because they'd be like, you're a bitch. I can say it and joke and be like, that's enough for right now. We'll come back to that later. And it's received very differently. So I can manage a class very differently. And I will use that 100% to my advantage. Well, see, that's really fascinating because I would think that would also be something where people would try to take advantage of it. Hey, here's this. Yeah, they could. I would, I mean, I don't know. What would I have guessed your age? 37 was definitely more than what I would have thought. And you were doctors, so you might bring me points to you. I would have thought 30, totally. 31. Totally. So the age thing, that was always uh, something that I thought about more than anything. Because uh -huh. some of the places I would go, I would be speaking to people who had been practicing like longer than I'd be alive, than I was alive. Because this was like, you know, I was probably 30 maybe uh, when I started teaching with them. Like maybe, yeah, around 30. So I would call it out, right? I call this uh, eight miling it, right? Have you seen the movie Eight Mile with Eminem, right? And the last rap battle, he says every, he goes first and he says everything. He's like, if I say all the things and then it's the other, other guy's turn and then the other guy's like, well, I got nothing to say. So I would start off and I don't need to guess like, yeah, this is how old I am, this is all my practicing. And I would use the flip side to lift up what they were bringing. Well, so if people were like, yeah, oh, I've had a lot of experience. Cool. Then I'm going to call on you and I'm going to ask you to use your experience and tell me something and to teach me something. And then it diffuses that, that energy of like, I'm trying to be bigger than you. So it's like, hey, I'm here to teach. I'm here to learn as well. And yeah, that's how I would handle it. I did it many, 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 many times. When I went to graduate school, part of that deal was I, I got to teach public speaking in exchange for tuition. So That's cool. I started doing that when I was, I think, 27. At which point, I mean, there are students older than me. Yeah. Portland State, which is where I went for grad school, it's not a traditional school. So there are, there are a lot of students who are about my age. Anyway, I thought it was a really smart idea. And I did this for years, where at the end of every first class, now, this is probably not going to be surprising to you to learn that I wasn't the, the mean teacher. But I knew... I knew that you couldn't start soft and then get mean, but you could, could do the flip of that. Mm -hmm. So yep. I thought it was a good idea to end the first class. And I, went, I was saying, okay, there's one thing we haven't talked about. I'm obviously very young. Please do not mistake youth for weakness. And I would just let it pause. This is the hardest thing in the world because yeah. I, I think this is like really funny yeah. to say. 
But I would just pause for like two seconds and then I would say class dismissed. So please do not confuse you for weeks. That pause, 1, Mike. 1, you got it. But here's that. how it ended. Here's how it ended. By the time Mike is, I think I was 32, still doing that as an adjunct. I had someone came out to me and said, you know, you're not that young. Oh. <laughs> Savage. Dang. Okay, she goes, well. you're not that young. Like, oh. oh. Well. All right. That's the end of, can, I can uh, stop with that line. <laughs> no, and that's when that line ended. But I, I do think that's a good principle, though. Like, if you're having a longer engagement, it's actually the flip. So if, you, if you're just doing one keynote or one speech or one webinar or whatever, be friendly as soon as possible. Yeah. To me, on, on a longer engagement, at least when grading was involved in 18-year-olds and cell phones and that style, that was just like, totally. I can't lose them on day one or else yeah. just need a long semester. It makes total sense. I love that differentiation. That makes total, total sense. And let's talk about different mediums with which yeah. you speak. Because you're such an energy person where... So you, you talked about showing up differently than other people, just the way that you dress yeah. uh, on stage, at least for the, the speech that totally. I saw. That's yep. Different from most people. But you're such an energy person. I always think it's interesting when energy people are then, quote unquote, presenting to no one. So when you're, you're standing to the camera, Instagram or Literally TikTok no or wherever. Yeah. What does that look like for you? Yourself psyched up or is it just ah, no big deal? What, how many takes no. is it before you go? It is. So one, I think it's leaning on repetition and had to present all through grad school. And that was like largely the first practice in like presenting specific information and like get, conveying it in a specific way. And then after that, I just realized that I really loved it. Like it wasn't like I grew up doing this and always wanted to do that. It was just, oh, I really like this. So when I go to do po podcasts, it's probably the weirdest because like it's literally looking at this nothing at the screen. Whereas when I'm creating a video, like I could see myself and then I can watch it back. And so I can actually read the energy of it because I can watch and, and see it. And so this, I, there's nothing like psych myself up. I do like to point out that it's something that has always come easily. So when I'm coaching people in it and we're doing Instagram stuff, yeah, I get it that it's, some, it's harder for some people and they may have to have more of a routine. They may have to psych themselves up. They may need to have someone there. But I've actually filmed things, you know, when I was doing the continuing ed teaching. They, we would do, uh, they were, they were virtual pre-recorded trainings. And so I would teach as if there was a full room of people. And it wasn't like a, there wasn't like I had to switch something in my brain. I was just like, okay, just pretend that they're there. So something that is a, you know, good fortune that I have, I don't know, but there's nothing, no specific, anything I've got to turn on beforehand. I was like, all right, and here we go. Maybe because okay, I was great. like an only child for a long part of my life. That might be it, Mike. Maybe. Well, I think it is interesting. I think mentally when you're presenting to a whole group of people, even if you're the only person in the room, that feels a lot easier to me. But I am curious for people where just none of this comes easy. Yeah. They recognize, correctly or not, that they need an Instagram presence. When you're training that person, what do you, what are some steps that to help them make it feel less weird? So the first thing would be talk about stuff that you're excited about. It's literally the easiest part to start off with. Uh, two, try to capture the energy. So stories, it could be for anything, but stories kind of the, the easiest way to do this. If you just had a really good call or you just had a really good session, go and record right after that. So you're already in the, the energy of it. It's not like I have to try and recreate it. And then 
the third part would be look to document instead of actually create. So that ties into what I just said of, oh, you just had a really good session. Cool. Then go and document that, that feeling as opposed to like, I'm going to wait and now try to recreate this and be excited about this thing. So it's a little bit easier. Try to lower the barrier so, there. Those are, those are awesome. So when you are coming up with new content, I mean, is your brain programmed to think in 15 second increments? Uh, I, I wish. Of course, but. I wish it was, but it is programmed now to just think of everything in terms of content, which is also why when I'm working with people, I encourage them to post every day. It's not to go viral. It starts, it's so that they start to see the world in terms of content and they start to see like, oh, this is what I could make this into content. That could be content. That could be content. Because it's just a skill that gets refined the more you do it. So then sometimes even something that's way longer webinar on stage speech, is that a mental switch? What does it look like to prepare for one instead of the other? So for me, I love talking in general. It could be longer, it could be shorter. Obviously shorter is harder. I don't know, sometimes people may not think that, but I think most of us that have done any kind of creation, you start to know that cutting things down is actually much harder than just harder. speaking or writing forever. Right? So with long form content that what I do need when I do longer form stuff that's like a presentation, I do need slides or something. Like I, I don't memorize well. It doesn't come out the same way. I do need prompts. Otherwise, I will probably just talk for eight hours. So it, it keeps me focused. When I'm going to do something that's shorter, those the 30 second reels, there's no script for that because I can't memorize things. So it's just like, I know that I want to get this thing across. Okay, I'm just going to say I'm just going to go and speak and speak off the cuff. Much easier for me. I very much, when I'm working with people, have them lean into what, what kind of comes more naturally for them. I have found that it's actually typically easier for shorter things to let people speak as opposed to have them like have a script because then they try to say those things and you watch them there like, oh, I have to like get that, that part out as opposed to just speak and what comes out, comes out. So just don't worry about how articulate it sounded just let it come out Yep, just let it come out because i, I watch people just really struggle because they're like okay i have these four things i want to say and then they're just so stuck on like i'm trying to say those four things oh gosh i forgot the third one. Oh gosh i forgot the second one so if you want to have a prompt behind you totally fine but if you're like no i just kind of want to speak then i'm like then literally just speak and what comes out we'll use it and then you will refine it right we can, we will optimize the habit after we've built and established the habit so when people are in the beginning i just want them to get the reps in doing it and also getting comfortable seeing themselves and hearing themselves. You know what people are when they hear themselves for the first time. They're like, oh, yeah, that's my voice. Yes, that's your voice. That is your voice. So there's a large, uh, there's a large um, kind of familiarity that I look to introduce for people by just having them lean on volume in the beginning and just go, 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 create, 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 create. So they get over themselves. They get over that initial part and then we can look to really refine things. How long does it usually take people to get over themselves? Depends on how that what the kind of things that they're creating. If they lean, let's say this from a social media perspective, if they lean into stories and they lean into talking stories and looking at themselves, people can do it in a month. If they do a stories every single day, and I tell people, I'm like, do a minimum of four stories every day for a month. One of the things that's, and they have to manually caption it. This is the thing that is important because it adds time. And when I it adds time, people are like, I'm going to make it shorter then. I don't want to do all of this. 
So they start to just be like, they get over it. They're like, you know what? I got to get this thing done. I am moving away from this perfectionist mindset. I am moving away from like having you take it a million times. And stories are forgiven because they disappear after 24 hours. So it's not like this thing that like permanently, nothing's truly permanent. It is permanently there because people can find stuff, but you can delete these things. So it is a lot more of a forgiving nature to it. Well, that's fascinating. I thought you were going to say something else because one of the, one of the tricks, eh, tricks might be the wrong word, but one of the reasons why transcribing yourself can be helpful is you hear, oh, that, I thought that was going to be a sentence. That's not really a sentence. Is that a fringe benefit too, or is that not as big a deal? I think it is. Absolutely. I think, I think that it absolutely, absolutely is. I think it just depends on what the focus is for like what we're trying to teach people. And yeah. for me, it's largely like just get out of your own way. So I, I on the honestly, the main thing that I care about that I'm focusing on is for them to just be like, oh, this is not like I'm not going to die. That's all that I need them to take away from this experience. I'm not going to die. I did it. It's OK. How smooth does it picture a product that someone's actually buying course, mm -hmm. something similar to that? How smooth do I need to be? Does that need to be not any straight word? I never say, um, no, I think this, there's kind of multiple parts here. When people are talking about selling something, I always, when they come to me and they're like, oh, I want to sell this course. And I'm like, all right, cool. How long have you been nurturing this audience? Do people want this thing? Do people love you? When people love you and you have trust, they're incredibly forgiving and you can have more kind of quote unquote errors, if you will, with things. It doesn't need to be this most like super refined thing. And it's also tying into like, what is your brand? What do people know you as? Do they know you as a human or have you always presented yourself as a super refined, perfect, polished thing? Then perhaps you want to keep that going if that's like the story you're telling. But if people, if you're like showing up as you and this is how you speak, then I think that it's, it's totally fine to let it be. Especially, you know, I have people start podcasts. I love podcasts. I love my clients start podcasts. And editing out ums and likes is insane to me. Do I think that every other word should be um? No, but to stop and edit, I'm like, this, this is how you speak. Just speak. What do you mean you're, you're spending seven hours editing this podcast? Like, also, no one's even listening to it. Put it out. <laughs> Let's go. So I think it depends on how long you've had the trust more than anything and how you've been showing up and then what people are familiar with as it relates to you and how you how you present yeah that's really good and i love that tip if you've been building this mystique of completely polished that's one thing i rarely recommend that to people yeah i mean we need to not be rambling exactly you know but that exactly i do think that in general and i actually am really grateful for this the bar for content is way above where it was you know, 10 years ago, I should hope it is that just things have evolved. And, the, you know, you and I were talking about this before, like, what a time to be alive where we can run a podcast from our house and run an online businesses from our house. And, you know, I edit my videos myself and the things that we can do and graphics we can create on our own. And so because of that, yeah, the audience, the general population has come to expect a higher caliber of, of content, but it doesn't need to be quote unquote perfect, whatever that, whatever that even means. Perfect is something that behind. That's that's my yeah, exactly, yeah. So if that's your standard, good luck. We're in a tough. Spot. <laughs> Off the top of your head, when you have people in the audience, what are what are some fun things people 
have done or have to you after? Um, I think that when it comes to, let me back it up. So I think that when it comes to choosing like what I want the audience to do, this circles back to the original point, like what I said rather earlier. And like, what is the goal? Like, I hate icebreakers. I hate them. I don't want to get up and walk across the room and meet David. Like, I don't care about that. I came here to learn this thing. This is not good. So when you're creating these things, I think it's really important to think about what is the goal that I have? Is it that I want people, what, what do I want people to feel? And then using, oh, there was just a big accident outside. I just heard that. Uh, what do I want people to feel? And then what vehicle am I going to use to help people feel that? And so the best then compliment would maybe not necessarily be someone saying like, I like that particular thing. It's that they would say, I feel that thing that I was trying to have them feel, whether it was like, I'm excited to go to work again. That's like an incredible, incredible compliment. Like, like, you know, I'm teaching these people that have been in these careers for 30 plus years. And they're like, I'm excited to go back to the office on Monday and try this. That's what I want to hear from people. Not like, oh, that drill was cool. Like, that's awesome if they re remember that. But if they're walking away with the feeling that I intended, that's the money. Well, I mean, that's pretty amazing when someone says, I'm looking forward to going to work on Monday. Yeah. That's incredible. What did you do for that? I don't know if that was hypothetical or if that was real. So with that, it was just showing them, I think, you know, one of the coolest things about movement, Mike, is that it shows people hope and possibility. So if it's something like lifting weights, someone couldn't do this movement, they couldn't lift this before, and now they can lift it. And suddenly their brain's like, what else could I do? Possibility. So in these courses, we would introduce different ways of looking at the body, different ways of assessing things, different ways of uh, intervening and kind of communicating with the nervous system. And then this is why I stopped teaching when I stopped treating. I could bring in like real examples and be like, okay, this is how I use this with this person. And then I'd go around the room and be like, what kind of client do you have that you might use this, that use this with? How could this work? And then they're also working with each other. And then I would have them all also present after lunch. And suddenly they're like, I see how this applies directly to that client that I have that I just saw the day before I came in here. And then they would 100% be like, I'm excited to go and try this thing because I see that there's a different way to do it. I see that I have options. That was really the, I think, the game changer for people. Well, and that, I mean, that's amazing. To have someone clear that out loud is so powerful. It makes me think about how, you know, the speaking industry is interesting in a lot of ways, one of which is People will generally pay the most money for a keynote that is shorter mm -hmm. than a workshop and less involved than a workshop. I get it. I also think when someone runs a workshop the way that you just described, members of the class contributing and stating things out loud, the power of that is so much better yes. than you talking for 30 minutes, which I'm sure yes. is great, but like you talking for 30 yeah. minutes, everybody has to do everything at their seat. And mentally that. in my head, I'm like, okay, when I get back to work on Monday, remember to do X, Y, and Z. That, that right there. And that's something that, like, it was, you know, cool being at, at uh, Craft and Commerce because uh, you get to do both. So, so anytime you speak at an event where you're like a keynote-esque kind of speech and then also a breakout, it's different. But I believe, like, the more that you can combine the two and, like, the way that you present and the, like, the things you have people do, the better. It's not just you know, talking at people, whether it's the keynote or it's the actual breakout. I mean, you can have it be more interactive and you can have people 
actually feeling something and doing something and getting a win during that time period, to me, that is what I always strive for, strive for when I'm doing any kind of, of speaking. So when you do, let's talk keynote for a minute. Mm-hmm. Keynote are miscellaneous longer speaking opportunities. Yeah. You mentioned it slides or something that keeps you on task, lest you just keep talking. Add yeah. infinitum. Yes. Kind of proud of myself. Add infinitum. <laughs> I was like, okay, Mike. <laughs> I'm Latin in here. Let's speak. One of those. What what is it? What does it look like for you to plan? What, what's your starting point? Is your starting point what can what can I make them feel? What what are the questions you're asking at the Yeah. Yeah. So uh a big thing that I speak about because people do ask is like, when do I start writing it? And I, I start mentally putting it together a long time before, but I usually don't actually write it till the day before or then I finish it like the day of as I'm like flying oh over oh and gosh. I'm like en route. That's how I've always done that. It works. Feels great. Uh, but I start like oh. collecting things. That's me, Mike. That's how I do it. You mean that, well, that, no, Glows, it all goes to the same. She's, yeah. She said she was backstage. And it's like, I will do it like that's like a little too close for me, but definitely the day before, like when this is also when people invite me to speak, I hate when they're like, can you send the slides in? And I'm like, no, because I oh, yeah, change yeah. by the send time. The slides I, three weeks in advance. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I'll send I'll you something, but it's not going to be the final. So that's fine. Uh, yeah. The, the question that is, Mike, that when I'm first starting out, I'm like, what do I want them to feel? Which that's typically kind of preceded by. What do they want? What do people care about? Why are they showing up for this thing? This is about them. It's not about me, right? And then from there, when I'm like, okay, I think that this is what they want. From there, then I can say, okay, this is what I want them to feel because that's like going to be the best vehicle for kind of meeting their needs. And then I will go from there. So I'm curious if you are mentally, I get what you mean. On one, it would be easy for me to say, oh my gosh, she doesn't start until the day before. That's not really true. No, not at all. I start as soon as, I mean, I, I could have started a speech, like basically one for ConvertKit. I started years before because I actually pitched it in 2020. I pitched a little bit of a different one uh, and then ended up doing this one. And I was speaking about something that I've talked about like, ad nauseum, right? I talked about it all the time. And so then it just becomes like, how do I want to package it? It's never like, what is the topic? And what am I going to say? It's largely... What direction am I going to take? What specific things can I pull in to make people feel a certain way? Uh, I was basically collecting information for that talk all the way up to the, you know, the, the day that we started. I actually switched and put a quote in there because I had someone that I had met previous years at the event. We were texting and she was like, oh, you're going to be there. And I was like, actually, she texted and was like, oh, I see you're speaking. And I was like, are you coming this year? And we were talking about this different experiences and being there and I actually pulled a quote from one of the things she texted me because my brain's constantly thinking, uh-huh. how can I, what can I pull in anecdotes and such that will be helpful for conveying this message? So it's not at all like, oh, I just did it the day before. It's I'm open to things, kind of loosely organizing them. And then I will sit down usually about the day before and actually organize it. And move the slides around and, and say, does this story flow the way that I want it to flow? What's the audience going to be feeling? How will they be receiving this? And then the final thing comes out on, you know, the final day. And sometimes I will change it, you know, while I'm speaking, but just I'm not changing the slides. It's just that, oh, I, I thought I was going to emphasize that thing. And actually, based on what the, I'm feeling with this crowd, 
I'm actually going to emphasize this, but I'm going to hang out on this one a little bit more. And I'm going to pause a little bit more here because this is resonating with people more, I can tell. Yeah. You can see it in their faces. Yeah. They're paying attention. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So it's interesting because I, I think it would be easy to say you're living dangerously. Oh my gosh, she doesn't do it until the day before. Well, kind of. I mean, I, I do think that you should probably start writing it a little bit earlier than before. It's just... For the things that I've said a million times, I'm like, ah, forget. Well, just for your own enjoying the day before, I, I think, especially if the conference, yeah. but it's not like you're actually starting the day before. No, that would be, no, not at all. It's largely that it's getting organized. Yeah, it's this before. chunk of information I've talked about before. How do I get from that chunk to this chunk that I've also talked about before and make it go? That's what yeah. you're really doing. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. Uh, I have one more question, and then we'll move into our final question for yeah. the, the interview. Do you think, like, how important do you think humor is in a speech? So many people ask me about it. They tend to be guys, by the way. I think it's important if you're funny. I've I've never, you know, like talented, but <laughs> But well, how do you, you have a feel? How how do you how do you know what facet of your personality should show up? I think it should be all of your personality that shows up. I think it should be one hundred percent. You can't see I have a shirt on right now that says more you. It's like my whole shtick. It's spelled M O A R as opposed to M O R E. And that's just a, a play on I, I like drawer. I like the I like the the just to clarify. I, just to cl- I do have my PhD and I know how more is spelled. <laughs> just, just to make sure. Then when they answer, oh, yeah, it is different. Yes, it is different. And it's not an acronym. It's just literally a, like a play on words like, like a lion roar. Like this roar, is a bigger, yeah. a bigger way of, of saying more. Uh, and to me, and this is what largely I want people to lean into when they're on social media, it's the best practice, right? So to me, it is the best form of practice because there's so many reps you get. It should be 100% you and that is why I, I you know I strategically and very specifically wore what I wore to craft and commerce craft and commerce I have other clothes that I could have worn that I wear in different circumstances but I was like this is I want people to see this message and feel this message and internalize this message and I will lead from the front and lead by example with this so I think that it should always be 100% of how you are but you know you're asking about humor like if you're not funny then it shouldn't be funny if you're not inherently like comical person it doesn't need to be. That's that would be very awkward for the audience. Oh, I've Don't been in some that. awkward. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, that doesn't uh, feel uh, good in my uh, body. I feel weird here. Are awkward. <laughs> All right, friends. I wish we are moving into our final two questions, but before that, every guest gets a fifty dollars donation to the charity of choice. Who are we playing for today? We are playing for Love Your Feral Felines. I am a cat person. I got a cat during COVID and I got him through that agency and I just love what they do. And I will be that person that's like, I'll donate all my money to the cats. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. And I, not a cat person. Mike, give money. him a chance. Yeah. Give him a chance. Did you get scratched or are you just like, these it's just harder so. when you're allergic. Just oh, you want to okay, yeah. That's oh. Mike. That's fine. You get a pass. All right. We yeah. always end with two things. Uh, the first of these is a tip from our guests. Public speaking tip may or may not exist in a public speaking one-on-one type handbook or an 
Facebook.com article. Based on your experience being on a stage or in front of a camera, what is a what is a public? We have gone over so many. We came out. Uh, no, you really have. I would. I would say. Can I say two, Mike? You can say three. Can I say two? So the first one: make people feel something. That's that's very big. But that ties into the second one, and is perhaps superseded by the second one, which is it's not about you. It's thinking about what do they need? What are they here for? Why should they care? What do they care about? Put that front and center, and I think everything else becomes much, much easier. Yeah. And if I could... Yes, please. And it's realize, make the audience feel something. I think a lot of times people hear that, and they think that you are saying, make it into a Hallmark movie or Oprah oh, no. or something. Maybe, but to feel something literally means... Feel something. Feel excitement or terror feel. or... Something. Yeah. Don't make them feel awkward, though. Don't do that one. That's a bad one. To, maybe you should avoid that one. I get, They'll remember you, though. So if that's your goal, then maybe you should do that. But <laughs> oh, that's totally something that a college student would do in class. Well, you told me to make them feel something. Exactly. Like, oh, well, you're right. I should have been more specific. Gosh, college kids. Recalling it last night, how when I was, when I, all the teaching assistants, we would have a once a week or one seminar talking about this guy assigned persuasive speech and part of it was just like how did the i think his class actually voted on whether they would say yes to the idea well of course college kids nobody more ingenious at finding loopholes student persuaded the class to give him a dollar everybody said yes now this kid gets an a because he did i mean other people yes. are giving talks on climate change and like really big things. This kid gets up I there mean, and he's like, what's a dollar to do? I could use a dollar. Like, there are big lessons there, though, Mike. Like, I respect that. Know your audience, right? That's, that's good. Good for him. Good for him. Good for him. And I, I bet they all remembered it. You remembered it. I still remember that. That was 2008. Damn. Right. Like, you remember the really good things, the really bad things. Yeah. You're right. Last thing. Ashante Cofield. Uh, not speaking to. Story. 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 Okay. This could be something that you told from stage, just never heard the light of day, whatever. We'd love oh, to hear a story. A story. Uh, okay, I'll tell you a story about something that recently happened to me and really supported my belief that the universe conspires, especially when people doing good things and being good people are involved. So I have this friend, David, and David, actually, who pronounced that he's German. And I met him and his awesome wife through teaching at Rock Tape. Uh, we had an event here and then actually flew to Germany. I was uh, attending a conference and met up with them there. Great bread there. Best bread I've ever had. And it was like at the hotel. And I was like, this is the best bread. Uh, but We've stayed friends and he's followed my stuff and it's really inspired him to, you know, open his own clinic and, and live his whole best, live his best life. That's my whole shtick. So his family comes on for a vacation to the States once a year. And I saw him last or not last year. No, didn't Rona. So I'm um, 2019, I think. And they're back now. 
uh, for a vacation. And he had messaged me and he was like, oh, I'm going to be in, we're doing our vacation. We'll be in, in SoCal. And I, I get a lot of DMs. I read the DM quickly. I thought it said the end of August. And so I wrote back and I was like, awesome. Definitely hit me up. We will link up. So I didn't hear back from him. And I, again, I get a lot of DMs. So I just, I hadn't gone through it. And I wasn't checking to see the date because I thought it was the end of August. And right now it's, you know, August, the middle of August. So had a volleyball tournament the other week, or the last weekend. I left, went to a coffee shop and I was just like, ah, I'm going to treat myself. Not that I ever withhold anything from myself, Mike, but I was like, I'm going to continue to treat myself. I'm going to go to this coffee shop. Happened to see in there my good friend Roy, who is moving away, and we sat and we we're talking. So I'm at the coffee shop longer than I would have been because I'm hanging out with this guy, Roy. As I'm sitting there, I look up and there's a guy sitting there with his beautiful curly blonde hair. And I was just like, is that a famous person? Like, that, that. But I didn't have my glasses on because right? I had sunglasses in the prescription. I put them on my head. I was like, that, do I know this person? And then he walks closer and I was just like, David, is that you? And he turns around and he was just like, yo. And I was like, dude, I thought you were coming here at the end of August. And he was like, no, I was supposed to. I, I told you I was coming now. And I was like, I read that message so quickly. And also, why did you only text me or DM me one time? So he's actually staying in the hotel down the street from the coffee shop, which is down the street from my house. We went out to dinner with his, his wife uh, last night, it was uh, Sunday night, rather. Went out to like a three-hour dinner and it all worked out. And I truly believe that the universe does conspire, especially when people are out there doing good things and putting good energy out. And he is one of the best people that, that I've ever met. So that's my most recent story. It makes my heart just swell. But what did the universe conspire to do that? Have you... To put us together. So we ended up bumping into each other of all the coffee shops. I don't get it. Wasn't that going to happen anyway? No, he was supposed to come. I thought he was coming at the end of the at the end of the the end of the summer. So I was like, oh, not even looking for him. I would have oh, missed his whole right, trip. Right, 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 right. Okay, got it. Sorry. I would have missed the entire trip. He was he was leaving on Monday. I saw him and Saturday morning. We went to dinner on on Sunday night. And I was just like, of all the coffee shops, you walk into mine. Oh, of all the coffee shops in the galaxy. <laughs> All the way here from Germany. I, I was really, really happy to see him. Gosh, because I've been on the other end. I just think of my friend Janet, who... Look at you. I was doing a workshop in her, at her company. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be there on such and such date. No reply. No reply. Fly in. Do a workshop there. Fly back. Three weeks go by. Hey, when are you going to be here? Janet! Stop. Stop. Yeah. Did you, did you hit her up more than once, though? No, no. Mike, Mike. Yeah, I'd hit him up. As soon as I saw David, I was like, you must DM me. Because also he DM me. If he texted me, it's one thing. But he DM me. I was like, David, you know that I get a ton of, a ton of DMs. I'm really popular on Instagram. Come on. How can you expect? This is how I run my business. This is literally how I run my business. So like, they, a lot of them come in there. The cool thing is that he went into that coffee shop. And he hadn't gone to it for the rest of his trip. They'd been here for over a week. And he went in there because he had a package coming from a mutual company, a mutual friend, mutual friend of ours. He had a package getting delivered uh, to the hotel. It didn't show up. So instead, he went over to FedEx to see if they could figure it out. The coffee shop happens to be across the, it's in like the same parking lot as uh, the FedEx. And so he only went there because the package didn't, didn't get delivered at the same time. And I was like, David? 
him. That's, a, that's, that's Would you yeah. ever tell that story found stage? Like what would the, how would how would that fit into mm, speech? That would be uh that would be a tough one. That would be a tough one. One because I think that I'm sometimes hyper aware of what people might take away from something. Because like, you could say something so specifically and they'll still be like, and I heard this. I see it all the time with my content, which is very short. And then people will paraphrase it. And I'm like, that's like objectively not what I said. But <laughs> if it works for you, okay. So I'm like very hyper aware of like, let me be as specific as I can to try and hopefully get this message across. And with that story, I'm not sure if what I would tie that into of like what message I'd want to get a want to get across that would be conveyed well by that. That'd be a tough one. Well, here's what I'm thinking, and this might be a little bit of a stretch, but I am thinking about how you hung out at the coffee shop extra long, and there's something to the idea spending time, whether this is physical place or social media or whatever, but there is something to hanging around and allowing good things to happen as a result instead of just going home and totally yeah watching TV or I guess you're probably 100%. 100, I'm 100, 100%. Yes. Like it's, I can see that and could absolutely weave that in. Yes. Maybe, maybe. Or maybe it's just fun that it happened. That for right now. But I mean, I think that's one of the coolest parts when you speak a lot and you, you know, create content. Like, so I will use that story. I haven't told that story yet, told it now, but it just happened this past weekend. But I will probably write an email about it. And so different forms of communication and different mediums, different platforms lend themselves to different ways of telling stories and like conveying things differently. So I will definitely write that to my email list. I got to figure out what is the main message I want to, again, convey. And for this, it may just be that just a celebration of something happy, right? So the way I flip it is be like, we like to, we, like, we see, you know, negativity bias and we see how much stuff is on social media. And like, that is just more sensationalized. Here's just a good piece of story. Here's something good that happened to me this weekend. And I would leave it at that and just tell the story. And so that's what I'd be looking to convey in that case. It's, that's probably how I'll do it when I send it out. Okay. I've got a couple other thoughts. You can take these or leave these. Give me. I mean, that's always your option, but you could make it, could make it about him. He got lucky. I could. You only sent one DM. You never texted me. What's going on? Exactly. Exactly. Could be that. Oh, my other thought was, I think the story probably works a little bit better if you change the order. So everything happens the same, but like the whole time I'm sitting there and I know what's going to happen. Yeah. So I wonder if you run into him first and then you replay in your head. Wait a minute. Then you check your phone. Hold on. I thought you said you're coming to the end of August. August 11th or whatever date it was. Just the Yeah, got it. Maybe got it, I, I would play around with it and see if that works. Yeah. These are my thoughts. I like it. I mean, this is like one of the things I think is so great about creating is that you can just manipulate these things. And it's like, <sighs> what am I trying to convey? And I have the option to run it this way, run it this way. And then the way that we communicate these things. Am I, is it written? Is it a video? Is it a podcast? Because it's... It's all different. Like, I think I think it's actually really, really cool. And I'm open to the suggestions because this is fun to think about. Well, and you're good at these things because you know that it is play. Snap. I like that, Mike. I, I like just came that. up with that. I'm, that's that's a good really good. There. 
I was like, oh, you said this before? That's good. I like it. <laughs> oh, that's a new sound bite. We're just start using that. Shante, <laughs> uh, you're wonderful. I really love Thank the energy you, you bring to everything. Where can people find out more about you? Awesome. I appreciate that, Mike. Uh, easiest place is Instagram, the movement maestro. Maestro is spelled M-A-E-S-T-R-O. I know people struggle with that. Uh, if you're not an Instagram person, that's cool. Website is the same, themovementmyshow.com. And then from there, you can see all the things that I do and emails. And I got a podcast, Maestro on the Mic, if you're more of an auditory person. You got options is what I'm saying. You got options. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I just, I love it. We need to have you a regular segment. <laughs> Mike, this has made my day. Just, Mike, what's your favorite way? Uh, I mean, I know you're a speaking coach, but is that yeah. your favorite way of your favorite platform, your favorite way of communicating? Speaking, writing, storytelling, podcast, um, video. My favorite thing in the world is being on stage. Mm -hmm. Rewind. Okay. I only sort of like, I love the experience when I'm on the stage. I don't like it as soon as I get off, which I know is somewhat counter. To because it's done? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't like attention. I like being on the stage and being able to communicate ideas clearly and playing with clay. That's, mm -hmm. those are the things that I want. Yeah. So I don't, it's not like I don't want people to come talk to me afterwards, but I sometimes feel a little bit strange about it. Got it. To me, I'm well, but I'm just, I happen to have done this for 11 years. Yeah. So does that tie into how you feel about social media? Uh, where are you going with that? Like, do you because you're not like a content creator, per se. No. And like some people really feel like there's a, like some people will, will equate social media and like socialized narcissism. Oh, or, like it's like the me show. And I'm like, that's my favorite part. Uh, <laughs> that's why I liked it. That's why I do it. I, exactly. I uh is there, does that tie in at all of like, I don't, I just want to communicate. I don't want the like spotlight on me. Yeah, that, like, that ties in for me for sure. Yeah, I mean, and here's what I'd say. At my heart, I am a teacher. My parents were both teachers. Sure. I wanted to be for a college sure. professor until I learned that it was terrible fit for who I am as a person. <laughs> we didn't get to discuss that, but to me it was, I thought a college professor would be like 90% teaching and it's like 4%. Um, yeah, speaking is my favorite. I think writing is my second need. The thing that frustrates me about writing sometimes, my sometimes perfectionist comes out through. Yeah. And I feel pressure. So as an example, you know, when you were growing up, people would send their family photo and there'd be a little note in there. Mm-hmm. This is Cofields did this year. Yeah. NYU and then I started writing that when I was about 16 for my family. Nobody does those anymore, by the way, but my family, I still do it. Yeah. I, my, I love my, those. My feeling was just, let's make this funny. Yeah. So the whole thing was jokes. And that was really fun. I mean, 16 through like 21. And it's uh, still fun ish. But other times it feels like a burden because people are pinging me, like, hey, when's the Christmas card letter yeah, coming out? Like, I don't make any money off of this. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't make anybody up with this. It's and April. It's, <laughs> it's 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 funny how uh, I think uh, 
I don't know what my observation is. I think with writing, I feel some of that pressure a little bit more. And you know what? Here's what it actually is. With speaking, the clock starts, stops, and I get off the stage. Yeah. There's no real way to stop it. Yeah. And with writing, obviously, that's good. Been nine hours staring at this. Mm-hmm. One page email that someone's missing. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's what, put it in Enneagram terms. I'm if you're an Enneagram person. I mean, I know I'm a five, but I like don't like. Oh, that's interesting. Tell me more. Uh, Why is it interesting, Mike? Well, because fives are usually really reserved and don't want to hug. And I mean, I'm not trying to hug the whole world, but uh, I am selective. That's so. This is Mike. This is why I love social media this, so that is, much. That is that is going to be our full clip. That's good. I love social media because of that. Because I am in control of the energy I expend. And uh, with who? And I can turn it off. Like I can literally like turn the, the, put my phone down. I don't love going out to big social events and things like that. It's just like I am very much in control of all the things on something like social media. So that's this I think is super, okay. Science. Are you an introvert? Because I would not have thought that. I am by by if I was forced to pick, you know, one or the other, and how I recharge. That's largely how I look at introverted, introverted versus extroverted. Introvert, if I'm going to recharge, it's going to be alone. COVID was great for me. Like, I got a cat and I was like, I think I could do this forever. I love this. I'm fine. I can be social. I'm not, I think that sometimes people, you know, erroneously equate introversion and like being shy or being like socially inept. And I'm like, I'm very socially adept, but my choice is always smaller group or recharging you know, by myself with my cat. Uh, and do I know how to read a room and, and work the room and communicate with the room? Absolutely. But my choice for, at the end of the day, I'm going home to be alone. It doesn't totally surprise me because of the way that you explained it. And I do know that introverts, I think, are often better speakers than extroverts. Extroverts are totally willing to get on stage and just wing it and hope for the best. Yeah, that doesn't... That's, you know, it's really interesting that you say that because... You know, when I was explaining earlier about how I come up with the, the speeches and talks, when I run my group coaching programs as well, and this is why I like slides, I, I am very organized and there's very much a structure. So even though people from the outside may be like, you're leaving it to the last day, I'm like anything but like this is I, I have this thing nailed. It's just that I'm putting the order down at the end. And so like when I run, I run group calls and I have a coaching business with a, with a, with a business partner and she's very much like, let us talk. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I will have these notes and I'm going to have it in this way. And then I can riff on these things, but it's definitely, you know, flow through form for me very much. Flow through form. It's also, we see that with the movement world, Mike, right? Like when we look at yoga, I have a client that says yoga and uh, teaches yoga. And that's a big thing. Like her whole shtick is flow, but the flow can only exist because there is form. There are certain things that you keep coming back to and there are certain kind of checkpoints along the way. And you can riff in between. Uh, you know, I played saxophone for many years. And when you're like going to freestyle, uh, you're still basing it off of a scale and picking notes from that. It's not like anything. Like, there is still some inherent structure in there. You need a saxophone quote as a cat. <laughs> no, I, you just get one. No, you get one saxophone. <laughs> one. This, is the, this is the first time this happens where we're like wrapping up and then you ask me a question mm-hmm. and now... So how are we going to, is this, 
Well, maybe this is like a hidden track. Remember on CDs, there used to be- Oh my God, I was just talking to someone about this. To David, actually, we're talking about this and how, because the music industry has changed as well, right? My, like, people don't put out full CDs anymore. And so there's like no hidden track. It's just like they dropped the whole thing on Spotify and there it is. Hidden tracks are the best. That was, it was so exciting when you put it in there yes. and it said 61 tracks. Like, right? Well, that's a hidden right? track. Exactly, Mike. Exactly. Exactly. So many business lessons from things like that. I love it. Where like when you're younger, you just experience it, but you can feel it. And you're like, I feel the excitement. I, I remember that. And uh, now I look to recreate that as a, as a business owner now. That surprise and delight feeling for people. You're like, that is like literally one of the best. And we all know it of like the bonus track. We all know it. Is that what, is that what the end credit scenes are in movies? It's the same sensation. Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, although it's like, I think it ties into your story that you were saying earlier about like the expectation now. And then it's kind of like, oh, it's expected now. So it's not as, you know, like the encore performance as well. Like it's just, you have to do it. Like if someone didn't do an encore, you'd be like, I hate they hate this. They actually left the group. So it's like not, I don't know if it's the same feeling anymore. I'm sure. And initially when I first started doing it, it was, and now it's like, this is just expected. Well, here's what I was thinking about. Most recent Dr. Strange, not Marvel's, mm -hmm. Marvel's finest effort. And it made me think, cause I liked it at first. And then I, I started not liking it when it turned into an abject horror film. Oh. And I kept, I kept hoping for it to get better and better. Even when the movie ended, well, maybe the credit scene to deem it. There's one cre end credit scene, and then there's the second end credit scene. The second end credit scene was so stupid. Like, it was just oh, Bruce no. Campbell. I think he turns to the camera and says, you can go home or something like that. And I was, I was just thinking about how sometimes those hidden tracks weren't good either. You know, like it would be... Because mm -hmm. the best is when it was another song, but then occasionally it was just someone talking. Talking, right? I'm like, like why would you oh. waste... What in the world? I this is worse for this. Someone talking. Yeah. Uh huh. That's what yeah. this Bruce Campbell thing felt. Yes. Yes. I mean, I think there's a great business lesson though there, Mike, of like having extra things just to have them. Like they still have to be quality. They still have to be good. It's not just like oh, the existence of them is enough. Like oh, it's a bonus. I'm like, but it's a bad bonus. I don't want that. You've wasted my time. Well, hopefully, this. the extra twelve minutes we put in here wasn't. Right? So no, like, ah, uh, we'll see, Mike. We'll see. Do you want to? Do you want to exit yourself again? I mean, I think we just let it be. It is what it is. This is the movement. This is great, maestro. The movement maestro. M a e s t r o. And that, that sounded like a jingle. I did. It came out smooth. <laughs> but it's apparently not a good jingle because you couldn't remember. So. <laughs> no, I just have a fierce cocktail. <laughs> You used to Dr. Cofield. No, no, that's that's ever present. That's forever. Okay. My son himself is like, Dada, stop singing. Oh, oh she got no voice. Harsh people. Uh, harsh. You're not that young, Mike. You're not that young. <laughs> stop singing. <laughs> uh, Dr. Cofield, it's been a pleasure. I hope it has been for you too. Everyone this listening. This has been awesome. The Best Speech Podcast. Mm -hmm has starred Dr. Shante Cofield. I'm your host, Mike Pacquion. It has been produced and medium edited by Alicia Otieno. The music is by Jonah Ramey. Until next time, my friends, do good things out there.